right, been in this sermon series for a little while, Crossroads. We're uh, on the back side of that series now. We've got topics 6, 7, and 8 coming up. So we're talking about following a biblical path through today's difficult issues. We've been talking about some things that in our culture are a little bit more of a hot-button issue, and we've covered a number of those already, but today we're covering one that I think is, is at the very forefront of, of what's happening in our culture, and um, it, is a, it is an issue that is difficult for all of us to navigate. Now, we're going to be talking about racism today. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the topic of racism, and um, trying to follow a biblical path through this difficult issue. Trying to trying to navigate through a um, through a topic that is that is hard. It inflames passions all across the board. And uh, as we're talking about this topic today, there are a few uh, disclaimers that I need to make for you as we get started here with this particular topic. There's some points of recognition and awareness that I I have to be aware of, that you have to be aware of in regard to this topic as we're talking about it today. Okay, so just a couple of points of awareness, recognition. First of all, I am a white pastor in a predominantly white church preaching on the topic of racism. Okay, so when we're talking about this topic today, let's understand that we're talking about it in something of a bubble. When we talk about the topic of racism, when I, a white pastor in a predominantly white church, talk about the topic of racism, we already have biases. We already have some built-in beginning points on this discussion. So we just have to admit that. We have to recognize that, that in this discussion today, that we're talking about this from a different perspective than possibly what a Hispanic pastor in a predominantly Hispanic church would say, than what a black pastor in a predominantly black church would say, than what a Korean pastor in a predominantly Korean church would say. We approach this from a different perspective, and we better understand that if we're ever going to work through some of the issues related to race. Secondly, uh, something that we need to be aware of, there are many factors that will influence how a person sees this topic. Um, And and many of those factors that uh, relate to how a person is going to see this topic, they're based on things that um, we may not be able to control. Uh, Some things like our age. I'm getting older. I came from a generation that was a little different. Some of you came from a generation before me. Our age, our race, I'm white. I'm not going to apologize for being white, and I'm not going to ask you to apologize for being white, just like I wouldn't ask somebody else to apologize for being Vietnamese. Uh, Our race colors part of this discussion, our cultural upbringing. We are in Virginia. We are in Richmond, Virginia. And whether we think it does or not, our cultural upbringing in this community, in this state, it does shade part of this discussion. Uh, we've got to have some recognition and awareness regarding this topic. These are a couple. Uh, we also need to understand that in America, many people are dealing with racial fatigue. Yes, this is an actual syndrome. Uh, it actually exists. There is a syndrome that is out there that they talk about now called racial fatigue, where people, as soon as the topic of racism comes up, people start to shut down because they are absolutely 
exhausted in covering this topic. They're exhausted emotionally. They're exhausted intellectually. We have to, if we're going to be able to work through and talk about openly some of the topics related to race, racism, we have to, we have to do what we can to put our antennas back up. We have to engage in the conversation. In America, a lot of people, maybe some of you, we're dealing with racial fatigue. We get tired of listening to and hearing others talk about this topic, but if we're going to follow a biblical path, we have to tune in. Okay, um, some points of recognition and awareness. This is not a binary issue. We try to make it a binary issue. We try to make it black-white. It is, in America, the primary place where this issue of racism will be displayed in black-white relationships, but it is not a binary issue. It is not black and white. It is all races. It is the way that we look at people who are different than we are, different than our race, whether we are white, we're black, we're um, Asian, African, it doesn't matter. Um, This is not a binary issue. One other point here. This topic, and probably this sermon, will likely offend some of you. I'm aware of that. I apologize in advance. I'll try to offend you in love. So let's talk about this topic a little bit in regard to race. Let's talk about this issue. Um, There are three questions that we need in order to begin this discussion. First of all, does the Bible speak on the topic of race? Does the Bible speak on the topic of race? And I will tell you that actually this is open for debate. You could look online, you could Google this topic, and you could even type in that question, does the Bible speak on the topic of race? And you will find almost as many articles online that talk about um, how the Bible does speak on the topic of race as opposed to those that will say that the Bible doesn't speak on the topic of race, that the Bible is silent in regard to race. In fact, if you were to pull out your Strong's Concordance, your Strong's Biblical Concordance, one of those resources that a lot of pastors and Bible teachers use, and they wind this all around, a, a concordance is that book where if you have a word, you can look in the concordance and you can see what it is, and it points to the Hebrew and to the Greek and the reference there in Scripture. If you were to look in your Strong's Concordance under the topic and look up the word race, here's what you would find. There are four entries in the Strong's Biblical Concordance, the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance on race, and every one of those entries has to do with a race, not a race color. All of them have to do with a a An event, uh, a sporting event, using that metaphor. This is what Paul says. I have run the race. I have finished the fight. I have, uh, you know, he's talking about an event. He's talking about a trip, a journey. He's talking about using this athletic metaphor in reference to life. The word race doesn't appear in the Hebrew or the Greek in the way that we use the term. And so there are plenty of people that will say, no, the Bible doesn't speak on the topic of race. It does not. We are all part of the same race. We are all part of the human race. There is just the human race. It is just us. And in fact, we have plenty of literature out there that talks about that. Are there multiple races? And people will say, no, there are not multiple races. There is only the human race. And while that is true on one level, 
It ignores the fact that in Scripture, there is a discussion about nations, tribes, and tongues. There is a great discussion about ethnicity in Scripture. There is much that is included there on that topic. Now, when the word tribe is used in Scripture, most often it's used in regard to the tribes of Israel, you know, tribe of Benjamin, tribe of Judah. They're still the same race. But in Revelation, it does say people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And so there is a distinction there. But did you know that the word tribe, nation, and tongue, that the word tongue appears a number of different times? And when it's used in Scripture, the word tongue is used 19 different times in Scripture where it refers to people of a different nationality, people who speak a different language, people who are a different culture than this culture. Usually it's in reference to Israelites and people of another tongue people who speak this language, people with this culture. And so ethnicity and race is woven in Scripture, though the word race is not used. Now, the word nation is used almost 500 times. Now, in our world today, when we use the word nation, we might be talking about five nations who have the same race. We might say in America... The predominant race is Caucasian. In England, the predominant race is Caucasian. In Canada, the predominant race is Caucasian. We might be talking about four or five different nations that have a primary racial profile here in America. In Scripture, when it talked about a different nation, usually it was talking about a different race. It was talking about a different ethnicity, talking about somebody who spoke a different language and were of a different tongue and a different tribe. So, does the Bible speak on the topic of race? Yes, it does. We are all part of the human race, absolutely. We are all human beings made in the image of God. We'll talk about that a little bit more again today. But the Bible does talk about the topic of race, especially in regard to those who speak a different language, those of a different ethnicity than what we are. Um, Another question to begin the discussion, what is racism? This is an important question. What is racism? Again, you could research this topic and you could come up with all kinds of definitions of what racism is. As a pretty common definition of racism, this is what we're going to use today. This is not something that I've made but pulled together from many different places as it talks about racism. You can find all kinds of different definitions. Some people would disagree with this definition, but most, I think, would accept it. Racism is the direct or indirect prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism against someone of a different race, ethnicity, nationality, or language. It is based on conscious or subconscious beliefs that one's own race is superior. I probably should have printed that definition and put it up on the screen for you. Let me say it again. This is what we're going to work with today. Racism is direct or indirect. Prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism against someone of a different race, ethnicity, nationality, or language. It's based on conscious or subconscious beliefs that one's own race is superior. Now, with that definition in mind, 
we are faced with a question. Is racism a sin? And this is really kind of where we begin the discussion today on this topic. Is racism a sin? Is it wrong for one race to look at someone of a different ethnicity and to dismiss them based on basic presumptions and presuppositions? Now, you might think that this is an easy question to answer. But in a, biblical set, in a biblical sense, it can be a challenge to answer this question. Again, there are people who would disagree. There are people within the church. There are people within the Christian community that would disagree. But I think we can give a pretty definitive answer to this question. Is racism a sin? I would say yes. Racism absolutely is a sin. And here are five reasons why. Five reasons why racism is a sin. Now, if you've been here through any part of this discussion over the last several weeks that we've been sharing, as we've been talking about Crossroads, I've shared this, Stafford has shared this. Um, this is a topic that we have mentioned and we have talked about. We've talked about that scripture from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We are all made in the image of God. Every human being is made in the image of God. There is not one race that is made in the image of God and another race. One ethnicity that is made in the image of God and then another race that is not. We are all made in the image of God. And so when we look at those in our world around us today, when we look at those who speak a different language, those who come from a different nation, those who have a different color, a different tone to their skin than what you have, than what I have, than what others in our community may have, when we look at them and when we think that somewhere in there they are less, whether it is a conscious thought or a subconscious thought, whether it is something that I admit overtly or it is something that deep inside of me I feel that there is something better, there is something that I prefer, there is something that I am more attuned with, with someone who is more like me. I'm devaluing what God has made and put in the image of that person. We are all made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says that very clearly. Why is racism a sin? Because racism at its very heart says, I'm better. Secondly, we are all, if we're believers in Jesus, we are all one in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says this. Galatians 3, 28. There is now neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Five reasons racism is a sin. We're all made in the image of God. Secondly, we are all, if believers, we are all one in Christ. There is therefore now neither Jew nor Greek. Why is there therefore now Neither a distinction between Jew and Greek. Why is it now there is neither a distinction between those who would be Jewish in their ethnicity and those who would be Greek in their ethnicity, those who would be Jewish and those who would be Gentile in their ethnicity because of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ came to bind all of those together. And so the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church 
church as in the region of Galatia. These are multiple churches. It is not just one church in one community. He is speaking to multiple different churches in multiple different communities who may speak multiple different languages, heart languages, though they all know the Greek. He's saying, there is no distinction between those who are Jewish in your congregation and those who are Gentile in your congregation, those who are Greek in your congregation, those who are Turkish in your congregation. There is no distinction whatsoever. There is no distinction between the Ethiopian. There's no distinction between the person who is the Israelite. None whatsoever because in Jesus Christ, he has bound us all together through his blood. Literally, this is what Scripture teaches me. I should have more in common with the little 80-year-old Chinese lady who doesn't speak a single word of English but knows Jesus Christ as her Savior than I have in common with my next-door neighbor who speaks every word of English that I do but doesn't know Jesus. That as a believer... I have more in common with every other believer around the world. I have the same common denominator, Jesus Christ. I have the same core book, the Word of God, Scripture. I have the same values as those who may not speak my language, look like me, come from the place that I grew up. And yet we know that that is not the case. We know that that is not the culture and the place that we live in. We tend to have more in common with those who are unbelievers who look like we do, believe like we do, follow the same sports teams that we do, eat at the same restaurants that we do. Even though they don't trust Jesus, even though they don't believe in the word of God, even though they're not committed to Christ, even though they're not headed to heaven, they're not going to spend eternity with him, they don't worship the same God, they don't have the same values, we tend to have more in common with them than we do others. This is why the Apostle Paul drove this home to the churches in the region of Galatia. You're trying to have more in common with these people who don't know Jesus in your community than you do with all these people over here who may look different than you and act different than you who do know Jesus. This is not the way it should be. We are all, if believers in Jesus, we are all one in Christ. Why is racism sin? Because separating peoples was a curse. Separating peoples, people groups, separating groups into different languages, different tribes, which would become different nations, it was a curse from the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11, verses 7 through 9 says, the Lord speaking, come let us, the Lord, go down and there confuse their language so that they may not be able to understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building that city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Now, this is a critical point in the history of humankind because this is after, this is after the great flood has covered the entire world. And after the great flood has covered the entire world, as humanity is gathered in this one, one location and they begin to communicate with each other and they start to stray away from the Lord, the Lord looks down and says, In order to keep this from advancing any further, I'm going to scatter them based on their language. I'm going to send them to all different places. They're going to become different nations. And it was part of the curse of them not following the Lord. 
Separating people was a curse from Babel. Bringing people together was the blessing that we see in Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. In verse 5 it says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because they heard them speak, each one in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these Galileans, aren't they the same race? And yet here they are speaking my language. Parthian, Mede, Edomite, those who dwell in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya concerning uh, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking our own tongue. What a wonderful work of God. Racism divides. The division of humanity was a curse that Jesus came to obliterate. That the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came to bring together. Why is racism sin? Christ came to tear down these walls not to build them up. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says, For he, Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Christ came, came to tear down the walls between peoples, not to build them up. Why is racism a sin? Because heaven has no room for separation based on race. Now listen for just a second. This is Revelation 5. 9 through 10. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God and we all shall reign on the earth. Chapter 7 verses 9 through 12 says, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number, all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hand, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. In chapter 22, Verse 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the Lamb, from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit. There shall be no more curse, 
but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there, no, na- no lamp, no light, n- no need for the light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall all, every nation, reign forever and ever. Heaven has no room for separation based on race. None. None of that to this point should be offensive. None of that to this point should cause much of an issue. We probably could all, with every bit of that, say, mm-hmm, makes sense. I agree. Yep. Sure. I can get behind that. That sounds good. Now, here's where it begins to get a little, little more problematic. When we start talking about what to do, how do we begin to address this issue? I mean, because racism exists. Racism is a problem here in America. Racism is a problem in the American church. And regardless of whether you think that people gather together around their ethnic groups and that we ought to aim to share the gospel within ethnic groups knowing that people have an ethnic affinity, we'd better recognize that in America, we have a problem. In the church, we have a problem. And if we're going to begin addressing this issue, here's where we need to start. We need to recognize some of the myths surrounding racism in America. Some of the myths surrounding racism in America. Now, uh, these myths, I've got four of them. These four myths surrounding racism in America, they actually come from a book written by Carolyn Helsel. And um, she wrote the book. I'll share with you the title. Please don't get offended by the title. It's actually a pretty good book. The book is 10 Myths White People Believe About Racism. It's probably a book that we ought to read. And this woman, Carolyn Helsel, says here's some myths in America that are out there that we need to bust through. The first myth is this. Racism is not our problem. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I don't discriminate against people. I don't make fun of them. I'm not hateful against other people. I don't antagonize someone because they're a different race, ethnicity, nationality, or language. Pastor, you said that was the definition that we were working with. I'm not a racist. Racism is not my problem. Racism is somebody else's problem. They've got to work through that. In the church, if we're going to deal with some of the issues in our culture, we had better accept the fact that racism is my problem because I live in a land where it has become one of the worst things that divides people in and among us. Racism is the problem of the church because racism separates Christ binds. Racism drives apart. Jesus came to draw together. And if people aren't being drawn together, if people aren't being bound together in Jesus Christ, it absolutely is the problem of the church. This is one of the issues. We've started to delegate this to somebody else. We've started to say it's a problem for the politicians to figure out. It's a problem for those people to work out. It's a problem for that race to figure out. I'm not antagonistic towards them. I didn't hold them in slavery. I didn't have this position where I discriminated against them. It's not my problem. It is my problem. It is the 
the church's problem today. It is our problem today because here in America, the church is supposed to be salt and light and bring people together, not allow them to continue to be separated. Whether you personally feel that you are a racist or not, you have a responsibility. I'm not hungry today. Does that mean hunger's not my problem? I'm not lost today. Does that mean that lostness is not my problem? I'm not having marital issues today. I don't think. Okay. So that's not my problem. Do you understand the logic here that we sometimes throw at racism? I'm not a racist. It's not my problem. Wrong. It is absolutely, completely fallible to think that just because I might not be a racist means that racism is not my issue. I'm not hungry, but hunger is my issue. I'm not lost, but salvation, sharing the gospel, is my issue because God has made it our issue. Myth number one, racism is not our problem. Myth number two, racism is about hateful actions and words. This is one of those myths that has to be broken. We think that racism is just about saying something awful. We think racism is what white supremacists do in Charlottesville. We think that racism is what somebody in another land does when they hurt someone physically with their actions. That in Syria, where an entire group of people is being wiped out by another ethnic group. We think that's racism. But racism goes far beyond that. Racism isn't just about hateful actions. It isn't just about being hateful. It isn't just about hateful words. Racism isn't just about a conscious action. It can also be a subconscious decision to withdraw. Well, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. We must not have much in common. I'm going to aim for somebody who looks more like I do. Somebody who's more like me to befriend and associate with. And at the very heart, that fits the definition of racism that we said, that I said we were going to begin with. It's not just conscious decisions, it is sometimes subconscious decisions that we make. When people move to a new community and they look on Realtor.com or Zillow or one of those websites, why on some of those websites does it talk about what the racial makeup of the community is. Ask yourself that question. And if it has anything to do with the fact that I as a white person want to live in a predominantly white community, I'd better pause and question what my motives are. Myth number three, racism has to do with intentions. 
if I intend to make somebody feel uncomfortable, if I intend to harm somebody, if I intend to exclude somebody, no, racism isn't necessarily just about intention. Sometimes racism, I may not have an intent, but I could still be showing some kind of prejudice or bias based on who I am in comparison with somebody else. Myth number four, I'm going to breeze through these because I want to get to the last. Racism can be remedied through education. If you think that racism can be remedied through education, you probably think that race, that um, salvation can be remedied through um, education as well. Well, if we just educate people, if we just tell people that Jesus Christ is Lord, he died on the cross to save you from your sins, I'm going to educate you that Jesus Christ came to earth, and that's all I need to do. All I need to do is educate you. We have missed the point because education can help in the process, but education is not the sole answer because within us, there are some built-in biases. There are some built-in prejudices that we have to confront and we have to deal with, and that's where we begin to talk about what we do, okay? Um, Some myths about racism, but let's talk about how we respond. So how are we supposed to respond uh, to this topic? How do we begin to address the issue? Well, we recognize the myths, but secondly, we need to genuinely and humbly pray for the Lord to reveal our blind spots. Okay, can I just ask you today, can I just, I'm I'm going to ask you and extend the invitation to you. Will you begin this prayer? Lord, show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm not getting. Would you reveal my blind spots? Not sure what your blind spots are? Well, that's why we do the prayer. That's why we pray, Lord, Show me what I'm not seeing here. Because some people's blind spot may be, well, I grew up with that sports team. I followed the Redskins all my life. Why would somebody be offended about the name Redskin? It's just a sports team. Why would somebody be offended by a tomahawk chop? They need to get over it. Whenever I of one race say to somebody else of another race and I try to dictate to them about what they should or should not be sensitive about, I have crossed a line. I have a blind spot. Well, black people shouldn't be offended that I have a Confederate flag because it's part of our American history. Let's be careful. I am telling somebody of another race what they should not be offended at. I'm not listening to what they're telling me they are offended at. Do you see the problem? How about this one? I wrote a few down so that I wouldn't go off script. When we say black people are more athletic than white people, Asian people are more intelligent 
technological than other races. When we go into our doctor's office, and when the surgeon comes in and he has a name that we can't pronounce, do we say to ourselves, I wish my surgeon spoke better English. Can I get an American surgeon? We may have crossed the line. I'm not racist, Pastor. I'm not racist. Okay. Let me see if I can drive the point home a little bit more clearly. I've been leading worship here for a year and a half. We're still praying about how the Lord's going to answer that need, making sure we've got enough finances in place. We put a committee together in place. We bring that person in. We bring a person on staff who's a person of color. And every Sunday morning, they stand in front of you and they lead worship here at Newbridge Baptist Church. They're black. They're Asian. They're Hispanic. Are you going to be okay with that? Now, before you say yeah, Let's just pause and be real. Let's pray that the Lord would show us some of our blind spots. Are we going to be okay with that? What if our next, not that we're making plans for this, what if our next children's pastor is a person of color? What if our next youth pastor, next discipleship pastor is a person of color? What if our next senior adult coordinator is a person of color? Are we going to be okay with that? If we're not okay with that, without ever meeting the person and knowing who they are and knowing whether they have a heart for Jesus, we have probably crossed a line. What do we need to do? How do we need to re- begin to address the issue? We need to break down some of the myths. Secondly, we need to pray genuinely and humbly, Lord, please show me the blind spots that I have. Third, it's really quite simple. We need to repent. If racism is a sin, and if I see any of it in me, it's time for me to turn. Repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is doing something different. I'm going this direction. Repentance means I do a 180. I do a U-turn and I head the other direction. If we're really going to begin, now keep in mind, this sermon has only been 35 minutes long. I can't cover everything on this topic in one sermon. There's no way. We could speak for a couple of months on this topic. Again, understanding I'm a white pastor in a predominantly white church trying to address the issue of racism. We could speak for a while on this topic, but if we're going to begin, we've got to break through some of the myths. We have to pray, Lord, show us some of our blind spots. And when he shows me a blind spot that I haven't seen before, something that I haven't been aware of, 
It's time for me to repent. Not tomorrow, not next month, not next year. It's time for me to do something about it right then. God, forgive me. Change my heart right now. We can't tackle the the problem of racism next week, next month, next year. If there's a problem, we need to start tackling it today. Pray with me. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts. Pray that you would break down some of our myths regarding racism. It's not my problem. It's somebody else's problem. Oh, Lord. Remind us through your word. There are lots of things in this world that you have told us are our problem, even though it may not directly be me. Failing marriages are the problem of the church. Drugs and alcohol are the problem of the church, even though, Lord, we may not all be drug addicts or alcoholics. It's still our problem. And the problem of race is ours. Racial issues are ours to deal with. Lord, break down the myths that are there. I pray, Lord, that not only would you break them down in a structural, a systemic way, but you'd break them down in a personal way. Lord, I pray, I pray this for me. Show me my blind spots. Help me to see what I'm not seeing in regard to me. Others in regard to themselves. Show me my blind spots. And Lord, as you do, give me the strength to repent, to turn, and to go a different way. And I pray this in the strong name of my Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Amen.